Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The portion of God's word that we're going to focus our attention on for a few minutes this morning comes from the gospel of John chapter 14. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I've told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our risen Redeemer. Amen. I've mentioned it to you all a a couple of times now. I, I got this book of old sermons that I've been reading through each week. It's always on the gospel lesson for the week, written by a a pastor named C.F.W. Walther, who preached these sermons about 170 years ago. So mid-1800s, around 1850 is when most of these sermons were preached. And I found it interesting this week, the theme of his sermon on this particular gospel had to do with Jesus' church being launched. And I've always kind of thought of that word launched, church launch, as being kind of a, a trendy concept having served the first seven years of my ministry in, in Wells Home Missions, that's a term that you hear quite a bit. When a, a new church in our church body is, is about to begin its ministry, they'll, they'll refer to it as a launch date. That's the date when they're going to have their first service, where they're going to gather for the first time. They, they advertise, send out mailings, maybe spend some money trying to get the word out about their, their launch date. I even saw one um, advertisement of a church in our church body that had a little rocket ship on the postcard for their church launch. But it turns out they were using similar terms 170 years ago, not to refer to the launch of a congregation, but the launch of Christ's church on, on Pentecost. Now, Lord willing, in a couple of years, we have a, we have a decision to make. When, when do we want to celebrate our 50th anniversary of Mount Olive's launch? Do we want it to be 50 years from the first meeting, 50 years from the first little gathering service, 50 years from the the first service when the the first pastor of Mount Olive was here, maybe we could celebrate all of them. But pretty soon, we're going to be celebrating 50 years since the launch of this particular congregation. What I want us to to think about for a few minutes is, what does the the launch of a congregation really mean? 
We use that word for, for boats when we're putting them in the water, for rockets when they're taken off. What does the, the, the beginning of a congregation, the 50-year-old beginning of Mount Olive or any other congregation or God's church at Pentecost, what, what do those things have to do with launch? To launch is to, to propel something forward forcefully, to, to set it in motion, right? And if you think about it, that's, that's really a good description of what happens when a church is started. Be it a, a larger congregation or a group of congregations or maybe our city as a whole, setting a new congregation in motion. What do you need? What do you have to have for a church launch? Starts with people, right? No congregation without people. Got to have people, but you need more than people. This morning, we're going to see you need people who love Jesus. If you don't have people who love Jesus, you can't launch a church. Listen again to how Jesus describes people who love him. He says, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. That middle section, my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's obviously important. We'll save that for another day. I want to just take that out for a minute and focus on the comparison that's here. Jesus says, if this, then this. If that, then that. Right? If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. If anyone does not love me, he will not obey my teaching. Very simple comparison. This is the New International Version, the the NIV translation that uses the words obey and teaching. And and I think we need to spend a few minutes talking about this because if you're like me, maybe maybe for the kids, you hear the word obey and teaching, maybe your mind goes to the picture of a one-room schoolhouse with the taskmaster teacher who had a ruler that wasn't used for measuring things, (laughs) right? That's obey and teaching in my mind. That's not what Jesus is saying here. And so I'm going to suggest maybe a little different translation. The the, the word here, obey, it literally means to hold on to, to guard, to keep. And you can understand where where the definition obey would come from. If a child obeys their parents' rules, they're holding on to their parents' rules, they're keeping their parents' rules, they're guarding their parents' rules. But but keep this, this definition hold on to in your mind for a minute. Then the word teaching is the Greek word logos. And this is John's gospel. So the very beginning of John's gospel, John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, all three times, logos, logos, logos. Logos is the word used in John's gospel to refer to the eternal Son of God, to Jesus. The Word of God, as we're told in verse 14 of chapter 1, which became flesh. And so Jesus here is saying, if anyone holds on to my my logos, teaching, yeah, sure, but it's his Word. All of it, not just rules, not just laws, law and gospel, Jesus' Word. The Father's promise to save the world, law that shows our sin gospel that shows our Savior Jesus who came to fulfill the Father's promise to save the world. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will hold on to my word. He will cling to my word. If he doesn't love me, he won't. 
want you to think about some of the things that happen in Christian families, in Christian congregations. Some of you have been around in this congregation since it began. Some of you for a really long time anyway. You've been around a gathering of believers long enough. You've been around Christian families long enough. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. You know that it doesn't take much for one of us, all of us, to open the hand a little bit and let go of Jesus' word and begin clinging to things that just don't matter. One minute, people are gathering together to hear God's word. The next minute, they're, they're arguing over the scale of a project or, or the details of a plan. One minute, they're, they're standing shoulder to shoulder, receiving the body and blood of the Lord for the forgiveness of all of their sins. And the next minute, they're, they're arguing about budgets. You've seen sin in the gathering of believers long enough to know that it's not all that hard for us to open the hand and not focus on the things that really matter, on the words of Jesus. Instead, we start focusing on the words of men. We start focusing on the opinions of men as if the church was launched by the finest of architectural drawings and savvy business plans. It's not. The church is set in motion by the Holy Spirit. Listen to some of Jesus' words again that we hold on to. He says, the, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now last week as we celebrated the Ascension, we, we looked at that verse and I, I told you how it's really comforting for us to be reminded that the apostles who who saw Jesus with their own eyes and heard him with their own ears, didn't have to rely on their own memories when they wrote down the things he said. The Holy Spirit actually reminded them of exactly what Jesus said. But for you and I, who weren't there to hear Jesus with our own ears and see him with our own eyes, what does this mean for us? What's the Holy Spirit's job? To point you to Jesus. To show you Jesus. That's it. It's that simple. What's the Holy Spirit's job? How does the Holy Spirit propel the church, set it into motion? Just shines a big old spotlight right on the Son of God. Come to save his people from their sins. What are some other words of Jesus that we hold on to? He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I want you to focus on the the words, I do not give to you as the world gives. When Jesus promises peace to you and me, he tells us this is not the kind of blessing that people in the world are looking for. This is not honor before other people. They're not going to look at you and respect you because of the blessings I have given you. I'm not promising you wealth. I'm not promising you success. I'm not promising you the kind of things the world craves. I'm not even promising to protect you from bad stuff. Jesus is not promising to protect us from diseases, viruses like COVID-19. He's not promising to withhold suffering from us or even to spare us from death. What does he promise? peace. That's what you need. 
You don't need to be spared from a virus like COVID or from cancer or from death. You need peace. Peace that comes from the forgiveness of sins. Peace that comes from knowing you are God's friends now. You're not his enemy. You're his ally. You've been brought from the devil's team to God's team, from the devil's house to God's house. You're at peace. I want you to think about that picture of an ally for a minute. The United States has allies. We hope it never happens, but if one of our allies was attacked, like invaded by another nation, what would we do? We'd go and fight. If you have an ally, it's like if you're attacked, it's like we're attacked. When you're blessed, we're blessed. Being at peace with God means we're on his side. We are his allies. If someone blesses you, if they show you incredible kindness, it's like they're showing kindness to God. If someone attacks you, it's like they're attacking God. An attack on you is an attack on God. A blessing to you is a blessing toward God. Whether you're blessed or wronged, you need not concern yourself with that. God will take care of what needs to be taken care of. He sent his son into the world to suffer a suffering far worse than anything COVID could throw at anyone. To endure a death that COVID cannot rival. He suffered the hell that you and I deserve for our sins on the cross. He, he died the death that our sins deserve. But then he rose from the dead, showing us that sin has been paid for and death has been defeated. You and I are at peace with God. It's the most incredible blessing that anyone could ever imagine. And I want you to forget individual congregations for just a moment. Because Pentecost is, is not about the start of churches with buildings and logos and signs. Pentecost is about the Holy Spirit coming and sharing this sweet, simple message with humans. You were once in the devil's house, but now you're in God's house. You were once lost and dead in sin, but now you're made alive in Christ and at peace with God. And when the Holy Spirit does that, when the Holy Spirit shares that simple message of Jesus and shines the spotlight on what God's Son has done, people love Jesus. And they hold on to his word. That's the church. Again, the, the, when the church was lost at Pentecost, when the church was launched at Pentecost 2,000 years ago, it didn't need a fancy new live stream system and had brand new speakers and brand new lights. Those things are nice. They're a blessing. But it's not what sets the church in motion. 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit sent the church in motion. And the visible form of that has been little congregations like ours popping up all around the world. And yeah, we could say that 50 years ago, a little less than 50 years ago, this church was set in motion, launched. Why the motion? Doesn't it imply direction? It's going somewhere? 
the ship of God's church was launched. And yeah, it sails through some pretty rough waters sometimes in this world. But it's going to arrive in the eternal harbors of heaven. The church that's been launched has a destination. Peace with God forever in a very real place that we call heaven. That's where we're going. That's the job of this congregation to continue to preach sins forgiven in Jesus. That's what the church, capital C, does. That's what the Holy Spirit's all about. Preaching the Word of God, working through the Word of God, propelling God's church to its eternal home. Happy Pentecost. Amen.